Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the One and D podcast. I'm your host, Vikash, joined by my co-host, Sagar. And today, we're going to be talking about the recent happenings in the United States. Yeah, and so I think it's good to preface that this really all started and there's been a chain reaction due to the murder of George Floyd. And it's unfortunate that it took such a heinous act of just violence and murder to finally get the country moving. But in all honesty, I'm surprised, but I'm also proud of the fact and happy that the country is making radical changes at the rate they are. And it really feels like we're at a turning point. I will say that. It does. And this has been an issue for such a long time. And you've seen so many outspoken people. And it's just a great thing to see that change is finally starting to happen. There are people that are being reprimanded and for their for their actions, finally. Uh, and it's just showing the flaws in this, the, the policing system as a whole that we have currently. Yeah, and it, <clears throat> again, it's unfortunate that it took the killing of an innocent, well, innocent man. We don't even know if the charges that the police supposedly had against him are going to hold up or not. Um, there were so many instances of the movement for years and years um, with one of the most prominent speakers and activists protesting being Colin Kaepernick back in 2016 and 17 where he was kneeling with the intent to bring attention to the whole uh, subject of police brutality. And, you know, there's been awareness and I think this really is a boiling point. And so we're really just going to be talking about some of the things, our opinions on it, some of the consequences of it, what are the actions we should take to aid in making change happen, and just our thoughts on some of the issues that have occurred since um, the murder of George Floyd. And one thing, you, you talked about Colin Kaepernick, and that's a great person to bring up, because I think he has been wronged way too much. Uh, there have been posts on social media that I've made about how people saying that he is out of the league because of his performance is simply not true. He's out of the league because it wasn't quote-unquote best for business. You had the President of the United States, Donald Trump, Force essentially forcing his hand, forcing Roger Goodell's hand, and making him, uh, you know, they he essentially gave him an ultimatum. It's like you 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 can't have Kaepernick in the league. You're not going to have these viewers. This is against America. If you have Kaepernick, then the NFL is against America, and and now you have people that are like, yeah, Ka- Kaepernick is doing was doing the right thing, peaceful protest, and then you still have people who are like, not during the flag. That's not the time to do it, and. I just feel as though it's so disingenuous because then those same people, they don't offer any sort of solution. They don't offer any sort of actual peaceful protest because they don't have one. They just don't want this change. They don't see that there should be change. They're blind to the fact that there should be change. And I I understand that they have this compassion and respect for the flag, but this sort of patriotism, I think, goes way too far it's a sense of nationalism that isn't necessary because you can appreciate what the men and women who serve for the country have done and yet still kneel for the flag still protest because it is a sign of you know uh i think with kaepernick he wasn't 
kneeling as disrespect, obviously, to the men and women of the country. He was kneeling to respect the men and women who died in the hands of the police, in the hands of police brutality. Yeah, and I definitely want to add to that. Uh, the Okay, so Kaepernick's thing, when people reduce it to... It's essentially a straw man. It's a straw man that people who don't agree with his stance are using. And they're saying that he's disrespecting the the flag and the soldiers, right? And it was never about that. And fortunately, people now are understanding that. I think one thing we should touch on is Drew Brees. But before we get to that, I want to mention that there was a lot of thought that went into the way Colin Kaepernick protested. He was, a, what, what did you say? He was um, originally intending on sitting, but then he consulted with the Green Beret. And through their dialogue, it was his the Green Beret's suggestion that Colin Kaepernick should instead take a knee, right? So Kaepernick, before he even protested, understood that this may come off um, as an ill intention to a majority, like not a majority, but a lot of people out there, which it did. And he tried to alleviate that by showing it's not about the flag. I'm taking a knee to bring awareness to police brutality in the country. Unfortunately... Again, you know, with the current presidency and a lot of right-wing sentiment in the country, they really took over the narrative. And it was really frustrating because they, they essentially won by taking over the narrative in that situation where they made it about the flag when it was never about the flag in the first place. And I like the fact that now there's a lot of players coming and speaking out on how it's never been about the flag. Um, I've seen comments lately. One example is Baker Mayfield recently on Instagram replied to a Browns fan and said, uh, get your head out of your you-know-what, and that <laughs> he's definitely going to be kneeling. So again, having that support and having multiple players come out. J.J. Watt tweeted something where I, I'm not sure if he's going to kneel, but it sounded like he was. I know the coach Bill O'Brien on the Texans, you know, as much crap as we give him for his terrible trades and questionable game time <laughs> play calling and timeout calling he said he'll be taking a knee so you really have to give respect to um these people who are willing to understand and change and i think this really opens up the dialogue about drew Brees, right i know we had a conversation off air where we were talking about how drew Brees has believed this forever he's going to continue believing this but it's really important to know that if we want lasting change and change that's going to have an impact it's important to educate people who are not previously aware and you know just for example drew Brees, he put out a statement saying he would never support anyone disrespecting the flag and he got hate well, for it he didn't and he put deserves out a statement he didn't put out a he, statement he was asked an interview he, he was question. He, yeah he was asked an interview question and then he that's what he said right and um so again incorrect statement he got grilled for it which he deserved but he sat down with people, and he he talked with his critics, right? Um, one example was, uh, you know, Shannon Sharp is very vocal on these issues. He's been going on and on about different ways to reform and different people in the community and how they're helping. Um, he, Drew Brees actually called Shannon Sharp after Shannon Sharp was critical about what Drew Brees had to say. And, you know, one thing Drew Brees said is he apologizes, and he's trying to understand the situation. So I will give Brees credit for the fact that he's trying to learn and be someone who can support. And I think that is the right way to approach it. We shouldn't, we should, yes, criticize people for having opinions that are going against the movement and what it stands for. 
And at the same time, we should be educating because I really feel like the education aspect is a key element in making this change last for a long time. Very true. One thing I want to clear up. So what happened with Colin Kaepernick, he initially actually sat during a game in protest. Um, and Nate Boyer, the Green Beret, he saw that and he was enraged because he saw it as disrespect. And so much like Breeze, actually, Colin Kaepernick reached out to Nate Boyer and and sat down and talked to him and figured out the best way in which to do the protest and get the message across that would also respect the flag. And that's when they figured out that the best way to go about it was to kneel because kneeling is a sign of respect. People kneel in front of the graves of their fallen soldiers. And so there's there's more meaning behind kneeling to the flag. And Nate Boyer ended up in for himself. He was a former NFL player. He served six years, multiple tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. I don't want to misrepresent it and say Nate Boyer is the one who started the movement. Nate Boyer is the one who told him to kneel. I believe Nate Boyer would rather him stand for the flag, but at the same time, there's a compromise, and he understands that there's a movement and a message that he want that Kaepernick wanted to put across to the to the people, and that was the most respectful way to do so. And so Kaepernick was this pariah of change, forced out of the league and ostracized by NFL owners, by the NFL in general. I wouldn't be surprised if now they try to save face and almost force a team to sign him. So it looks like, oh, the NFL, they're all for, they stand with everyone. Also, I apologize. It's pouring outside right now. So if you hear it in the background, lo siento. But, uh, yeah, uh, back to one point I was making. People used to say that Kaepernick was out of the league because he was not playing well. And the thing is, I guess those people just want an excuse because they want to think of an excuse. The first excuse that comes to mind, oh, he's trash, so he doesn't deserve to be in the league. But he led his team to the Super Bowl. He, in 2016, his final season, admittedly, he went 1-10. Terrible record. Chip Kelly was the coach. Chip Kelly couldn't even win with the Philadelphia Eagles, who were great back in the day. And... There's a reason Chip Kelly is not in the league anymore. You can't blame it all on Colin Kaepernick. That team wasn't the same as it was when he went to the Super Bowl. But again, Colin Kaepernick in his final season had a passer rating of 90.7 over the course of 12 games. Some people like to say he rode the bench the entire season. He didn't. He played 12 out of 16 of the games. And that was... That 90.7 is a great passer rating. Better than in 2016, better than to name a few Philip Rivers, Carson Palmer, Jameis Winston, Eli Manning, Carson Wentz, Cam Newton. Uh, and in 2019, quarterbacks with the worst passer rating are Philip Rivers again, Tom Brady, uh, Jacoby Brissett, Kyler Murray. Like these great superstar players are some of the premier talents of the league had a worse passer rating than Colin Kaepernick in his final season so to say that he didn't get a job because he wasn't good anymore is just facetious it doesn't make sense it's a moot point at that you're just trying to find an excuse and I think it's uh one that is covered in racism uh I don't want to throw out accusations but uh I think it's just not fair to say that he wasn't good anymore he he, at, at the very least he could have been a backup in the league and so Obviously, he was pushed out of the league because of his views, because of his stance on police brutality, and he was just years before 
you know, the time now. It would not be looked down upon if he did it this season. Uh, but since he did it back in the day, since he was bringing upon change so early, he was seen as this outcast, an outlier, and pushed aside. And now he's out of the league. And sure, he's 31 now. He could come back, but his prime years are gone, unfortunately, and the league kind of wasted it. Another thing is, I will say, um, I thought it was strange that Kaepernick took a uh, settlement with the league with his grievance. Um, that is a weird move on someone's part who's trying to make change, but I haven't looked too much into it. I haven't thought. I haven't given it too much thought. Uh, I, I just thought that was a strange move. I think and it's then, important to note just with the grievance. I mean, the grievance he filed that by settling it means neither party is guilty or innocent, right? So it's very ambiguous. Again, one thing I will say is Kaepernick has been very quiet. He's not very vocal about his situation. <clears throat> Most of the times when we get his statement or his opinion on something, it's from an indirect source. That being, you know, his like a uh, significant other or his close friends or close associates. Again, um, that's not a criticism. It's just pointing out an observation I've had. And the thing with the settlement is that I think in the same grievance, um, Eric Reed was also in that same grievance, right? And he settled as well. And he settled as well. And after that settlement, he got a job, right? Or during the settlement, he got a job because he was playing with the Panthers. He's cut now, but he did come back and play in the league. So I don't think there was anything in the settlement that potentially barred him from re-entering. But I'm sure oh, he correct. got... No, yeah, yeah, that's for sure. But if there were... I would think if he was going for change uh, in the way that he wanted to, he would have gone out of his way to prove that the league was blackballing him <clears> and <throat> trying to prove that they were against his movement overall. Settling kind of shows that he either, maybe he, maybe he thought he wasn't going to win or he thought that, you know, there's the paycheck or there's uh, the opportunity to get back in the league. some Something of the sort, but... I think in most people's eyes, settling is kind of strange if you are trying to uh, make a statement. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I will say it is strange, but to play a little bit of a defense towards him, um, I remember there were a lot of discussions at the time where he filed this grievance, and a lot of people were saying that it's really going to be impossible to find concrete evidence of um, a conspiracy to keep him out of the league, right? He would have to get a hold of text messages, internal memos, etc., things like that, to have a substantial case to win this kind of case. So again, maybe it was the fact that legally, despite it being so obvious, he didn't have the circumstantial evidence, like the actual physical proof that would help him win the case. So I think... That may have played a factor in why he settled. But at the same time, you could argue against that and say, then the NFL, why did they settle when they knew he didn't have any proof? So, yeah, it's a very weird situation. And I wish he would come out and, you know, give his opinion on it and give a statement at least because he's been very he's been very silent. I'm assuming in the terms of the settlement. There's a non-disclosure, right? Yeah, right. And uh, <clears throat> and those protections are put in place because it's a privatized company, right? Like, just like how Twitter can suppress some of Donald Trump's tweets as hate speech or anything of the sort, 
uh, or inciting violence, I think is what it was. Uh, the NFL, they have the right to their privacy. They don't have to surrender their uh, phone conversations and anything of the sort. Private companies have these liberties. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was a strange point, one to discuss. But uh, back to Drew Brees. I love, to, to be fair, just to be transparent, Drew Brees is my favorite quarterback of all time. I love Drew Brees. He's a great person, great man. I think he's a little too, uh, little too Christian for my life. <laughs> uh, he doesn't, I don't agree with him in his political beliefs. I love him as a quarterback. I love him as a leader. And, you know, if Drew Brees is saying something, people will listen. And he, so a reporter from, I believe it was Yahoo, came out with a question and asked him if he would, he asked him of his opinion of, of kneeling. Uh, to the flag and he obviously gave his statement he said he would never be he would never agree with anyone kneeling for the flag because whenever he sees the flag he thinks of his two grand grandparents and this is a situation of white privilege because he doesn't have to think of anything else he doesn't have to think of police brutality he doesn't have to think of the issues going on in the country he just has to think of his family he he, he thinks of his grandparents and you you have to admire the fact that when people sat down and talked to him, he listened. He gave them the time of day and he understood their position. And from there, he pivoted. He learned why people were kneeling. He actually got behind the movement. And now he's to the point where Donald Trump said, hey, good job, Drew Brees, for taking up your stance and standing for the flag. And then Drew Brees coming back and saying, this is not about the flag it is about police brutality is about the issues going on he 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 took his time and wrote out a whole response to president donald trump and now what i want to say is we kunal and i had a large argument about debate about this whole situation in that is it an empty promise is it an are these empty statements is drew Brees actually changing and I can see his point. I can see his point in that in 2016, why didn't he see the message? And then 2017, 2018, 2019, why did nobody, I mean, why did, why did he never understand why this protest was happening? And that's a fair point. Was he ignorant? Did he choose not to believe in the message at the time because it wasn't popular and now it is? I don't know. Um, it also just seemed like nobody sat down because he had these views before. He talked about it before. Nobody sat down and was outraged and talked to him before. Um, not blaming those individuals, but the this discourse is necessary for change to happen. And so if you completely disregard people with this view and not give them the time of day and sit down and talk about your position and how to change and how to get people to your side, then what are you actually doing? You're trying to change minds in terms of police brutality, but you're not taking the time of day to try and reason with people who can be reasoned with. Drew Brees is a great man. He's a man who volunteers not only his, um, he volunteers his time, he volunteers his money into, uh, you know, the black communities of New Orleans. And he's done it ever since he was, he's been there. He's been consistent on supporting his communities and but at the same time he had the wrong belief for kneeling and i think he's changed his belief who knows if he's being uh disingenuous or not but 
we can't decide that right now. Everything we talk about is pure speculation. Is he forgiven? Don't have to forgive him completely, but is he completely out of, you know, this whole mindset of, no, I'll never kneel for the flag? We won't know. We won't know until maybe he even kneels for the flag. That would be interesting. Um, but, yeah, this entire... And one thing I will say, I must say, is Kunal said one thing that I thought about later and I did pretty much agree with in that Drew Brees saw this movement happening back when Kaepernick was doing it and he didn't learn back then. But now he did because I believe the movement is bigger and I believe because more people talked to him about it, sat down, his teammates were actually enraged at the comments and the timing of it and everything. But not kneeling, not trying to find the truth, not understanding why this movement was happening is a part of implicit racism. Is he outright racist? I don't think so. Uh, he, vol- he, he volunteers with the black community and all this stuff and uh, a lot of his resources go to the black community. I don't think he's outright racist. Uh, but there is a difference between implicit racism and explicit racism. And implicit racism is prevalent with anybody, anybody from, from blacks to whites, to Indians, to Chinese, to everyone, there's implicit racism and that's a more nuanced topic, but that I believe, I I agree with him in that not taking the time of day to understand why he was kneeling for the flag, why Kaepernick was doing what he was doing, what the movement was all about. I think you could categorize that as implicit racism. What do you think? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I agree with the implicit racism. Uh, your point about, you know, forgiving him, I think you're right. It's not necessary that you have to forgive him, but it's important to give people the chance to learn from their mistake and then judge them, right? So I really think that people should be open to the idea of judging people based on what actions they take after they've made a mistake or they've said something incorrect, or they've said something um, that's incorrect, like in Drew Brees' case. Um, the idea of implicit racism is very real. I think one thing I will say as to why now it's bigger than it was in 2016 and 17, and why um, he may have been ignorant to the fact for so long, could be because of the fact that the movement now is infinitely bigger than the movement in 2016, which is sad to say, but it's true, right? There's so many more people involved in fighting for change. <clears throat> like, I was reading a lot of different quotes from different NFL players who were contemplating kneeling back in 2016 and 17. And I'm sure there were many other players, black players, African-American players, who were wanting to be vocal about where they stood on the issue, but feared the ramifications and the consequences of protesting and kneeling for the flag. Because the NFL made an example out of Colin Kaepernick. You do this, you lose your job, right? So I think that, that I don't know if that's racism. I th- it's, 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 it's systematic in the sense that if African-American players who agreed with Kaepernick spoke out and willingly, willingly protested lost their job, then that's racist, right? And so the fear of them losing their job and their livelihood and the support they have and the, how they support their family that being lost forever, I think really discouraged players, even though they knew that they wanted to kneel and protest. So I think now, since the movement has changed so much, 
um, there's no longer this fear to have dialogue with people in power who are often white, right? So in 2016, if Drew Brees said to the team, we're not kneeling, then everyone on the team said, okay, we're not kneeling. Whereas now, people can be more outspoken and um, help educate people who have had implicit racist beliefs or had the wrong idea or been ignorant of the situation, right? So this idea of opening the dialogue and more people being vindicated and free to speak their mind and the truth that they live, <clears throat> I think is better now. And I think that's why people like Drew Brees and others are now finally opening up. I think that's a that's a factor in it. Again, at the same time, I do believe that they had to be willfully ignorant for the last three years, but now since it's blowing up, it's easier for people to speak out. One thing, that's for sure. The The movement is much bigger now than it was before. And another thing to consider is the fact that we have a president that incites violence and racism. There are so many more outspoken racists nowadays than there were back in 2016. Uh, and that has a factor to do with how big this movement has become. Donald Trump really does incite this sort of negative behavior. He he empowers the racists and the extremists of the com- of the country somehow and it's just appalling at how much he can get away with and it kind of just also shows how racist this country is as a whole there's so many there's so much racism in this country and this movement has uh shown people's true colors um this whole presidency has shown people's true colors and i just hope for change man yeah and i think now is the time i mean one other major if we're going to stick on the subject of sports i mean i think it would be safe to assume that there's a specific demographic that watches nascar right so um the fact that they're taking a step and banning the confederate flag at their events is huge no, despite if I'm being f- honest, I don't even know how they still had Confederate flags at their events. I mean, That's it's kind of it's kind of easy to know why, right? I mean, yes, but at the same time, uh, no, yeah, that makes sense. Their sponsors are likely also right leaning and whatnot. It's just, yeah, it makes sense. Their sponsors are right leaning. Um, their viewers are right leaning. It's a big Southern sport. I mean, it's and the thing is, it's like. It it gets really down to this deeper level of how ingrained this racism is in the country, right? This country was built on the backs of the labor of slaves, right? That's who the workers were um, in the 17, 1800s and then into the 1900s as well. Um, and it it's so deeply ingrained that the messages from the past, like through the Confederate flag, through the anthem itself sometimes, right? Which has some racist connotations in it. Through the um, former, uh, there, there's a, the full actual uh, anthem has a few lines about having slaves and whatnot. Exactly. And it's been redacted <clears throat> because obviously they abolished slavery and the civil rights movement and whatnot. Exactly. So the fact that it's so ingrained in the country, I think is the reason why there's this still high level of people who have this archaic thought process and still believe in these stupid ideals from the past. And 
it's it's really twisted because they've entangled this nationalism with racism because the country was racist, right? So changing that is a monumental task. And I think that we're headed in the right direction. Again, the Confederate flag stands for everything racist. It's a, uh, I mean, they were fighting to break from the Union because of one of the main factors was slaves, right? I, I find it very ironic because um, there was someone protest, protesting about the NASCAR banning Confederate flags and it was on his shirt and it said, um, America, love it or leave it, <laughs> right? And I, and it, I don't hilarious. think I don't think he got the insane irony in that shirt because that's literally what the Confederacy did. They left the country. They wanted to secede. So Ugh, that's wild, dude. Yeah, I don't know how people can have these beliefs up in 2020, but that's just another th- the crazy thing to think about is the fact that Donald Trump was 22 years old the day MLK died. During the civil rights movement, Donald Trump was alive. He was alive during segregation. And that just goes to show, like, segregation was not that long ago. There are many people who I see dismissing this whole movement as, get over it. You guys are free now. What? No. Systematic racism has been a thing for years, decades. And the fact that people just want to brush it over and say, get over it, is crazy. There are Republicans who still gerrymandered states so that uh these less privileged people don't have the ability to vote and they want to they want to get rid of mail-in ballot voting is i just don't understand uh why republicans are so keen on suppressing voting uh everywhere all the time and gerrymandering is definitely an issue Uh, uh you could you could still see like there's strong evidence, even in where we live, St. Petersburg, Florida, is terribly gerrymandered. I actually have a really, well, not funny, but an interesting story about that, because I actually got to, I was in a class, and the House of Representatives member from our district for St. Pete um, mm-hmm. actually came to give a speech. His name was David Jolly. He actually went on to be a uh, relatively famous in a couple news segments because he talked about how a lot of the time that house of representatives spend on like in dc is a major like most of the time just for raising money for their next campaign term and he says like most of his day is just phone calls to get more money so he can run again and there's not really much work going into legislation and policy changes and making a difference in the community and it did pick up a lot of traction so he was a relatively well known and he came in to give a speech how he's not going to be running for house of representatives for st pete anymore simply for the fact that they changed the lines and it made it impossible for him at the time a republican to win the state i mean to win the county right so that's how impactful gerrymandering is it literally defines who wins and who doesn't so these things are very much ingrained in the country you make a good point about segregation not being that long ago. Um, that, again, builds on the point that this country has been built on the back of slaves. It's been racist from day one. And this racism is so ingrained, um, it's not going to easily go away. We need to make radical changes. And right now, people are up in the streets protesting and asking for those changes and demanding those changes. 
I think one of the most important things we can do now, uh, other than protesting and everything we are doing, is really show up at the ballots because that's where we heard them. Like you mentioned about mail-in ba- like mail-in voting, right? The reason people don't want mail-in voting, Republicans, is what I mean by people, is because a majority of the country holds left-wing beliefs. You can see this in polls conducted on so many different issues in the country, be it from abortion to healthcare for all. Healthcare for all is such a popular opinion throughout the entire country. The reason we don't have it is because of the divisiveness of the Democrat and Republican Party and how <clears throat> the Republican Party is so against it that we've completely lost all balance and we have the stupid healthcare system we have today. So the Republicans know that the country, like largely, wants these left-leaning issues because it makes sense. It is the logical thing to do. If a government is there to represent its people, it should enact the policies that the people want. Dude, and one thing that one thing that just I don't want to interrupt you, but I I love I hate love and hate it when these right-wing people post these charts. It's like, oh yeah, the majority of the country votes blue. Then what is this? And then you just, all you have to say is, land don't vote. They post these stupid maps of how many people vote which way, and it's majority red, but the population of the red is so minuscule compared to the population of blue. People, I don't understand it, man. Yeah, no, those maps are, uh, again, it's a tactic to confuse people. It's a tactic to, you know, pick a side again just by showing red and blue, when in reality... It's never been about red and blue. It's about, you know, the government serving the people. And at this point in time, they're not serving the people. They're serving themselves. Both and again, sides. Both, both sides, sides of the both sides. are very corrupt. They are both just controlled by their donors. And I hate, I hate both sides of the politics. Uh, just one side a little bit more than the other. Yeah, we disagree a lot more with the Republican Party. But again, at the same time... I wouldn't even call myself a Democrat at this point because the at least the way the Democratic Party is set up, they're just, uh, again, morally corrupt individuals who take money from their donors, do their, their, do their donors' biddings, and that's all they do. If the Democratic Party were truly democratic, you think more people would be for healthcare for all. If you look at the president, presidential candidates who ran this year, how many of them wanted, you know, Medi- like Medicare for all? I think it was only one or two, right? Bernie Sanders... Bernie Sanders and was it Andrew Yang? I'm not sure. I'm not but sure. Joe Biden, Amy Cl- Cloud Buchar, whatever her name is, <laughs> uh, Pete Bo- Booty Glug, as you call him. <laughs> like none of none of them wanted. Like Joe Biden still doesn't want healthcare for all, and it's such a big thing that the citizens want, and they don't want it. So if they're not really democratic. They're just the Democratic Party again. It's all corrupt. It's kind of wild that George Washington warned us about this 300 years ago. But hey, it is what it is. And we can make change by voting. And, and I there's think, also yeah. voter suppression within the Democratic Party, too. I'm not trying to say that it's only a right-leaning mm-hmm. type of mindset. But at the same time, it ha- it's more prevalent. It's more prevalent for right. sure. Yeah. Um, you could see that in states like Georgia or things like that. And back to gerrymandering really quick. Yeah. I, I believe there was a state that had such terrible lines. They drew such terrible lines that I believe it was the Supreme Court found it to be illegal. And, like, the line, they were so blatantly racist. 
They were so blatantly meant for voter suppression. You could see like these jagged lines going around these specific tiny little outlets that would vote the other way and you section them off. And I I, I don't want to say definitively that it was South Carolina. I just don't remember which state it was. It was in that region. And I don't know if it was the entire state or a part of the state. But I do remember that this was an issue and I believe, I don't even know if it's resolved today because I remember last seeing, uh, they went through two revisions and neither of them were approved. So they were still trying to gerrymander and it still didn't get solved. And again, I think a lot of this is also the incompetency of people in office, right? Um, I'm not sure which state was voting, but recently there was a state up for voting and people were having issues. and. They implemented these new voting systems like the day of the elections. And just if you know even the tiniest Atlanta. If you Georgia know the tiniest bit of project management, you know how terrible that is. Um like think of it this way. You have this project you're working on for months. Uh you work on it. It's you know, you have to you have to go through different phases, right? You have to test it. You have to put it through user testing, see if there's anything wrong with it, fix those issues before you get it out, maybe through phase one of testing, then you may want to test it again, check for bugs and things. I don't think this was the case here. They literally put out this voting system and had all these issues with it. And it's just insane. And there's a total lack of uh, uh, responsibility because there's people playing the blame game. I know, um, I think they were trying to call out the secretary of the, the state for Georgia or something. Again, I don't have the facts with me right now, but it was basically an issue where people were blaming higher-ups and the higher-up was blaming the different counties who he said were in charge of implementing voting. And again, it's just this blame game where no one's willing to take responsibility for the outcome that their voting system was so terribly flawed and it just suppressed the vote. And um, LeBron James had a great tweet about this as well, talking about how voter suppression is a real thing and like how this is also racist racism, right? Like... That itself is racist. You're suppressing the black vote. You're suppressing the vote of many people. So it's a, it's an issue. And I think we need more people to vote and we need more people in office who are competent. <laughs> and I think the second one is harder to control, right? But the first one, you have every right, go out and vote. I think voting is one of the most important things you can do. Express your opinion. And again, you don't have to agree with us. I don't care what you think on certain things. I just, you know, want people to vote because that's how change happens. So right. I think and you voting want, is what, a big thing. What's the number? Like 46% of people don't vote? It's insane. Something it's like an that? insane number. 56 maybe even? I think less than the majority votes. Yeah. And we just need, we need that number to be closer to like 60, 70, ideally 100. But that'll never happen. No. And I remember, I think it was in Georgia, Atlanta specifically, where people would be in those long lines of flawed systems and they were waiting, social distancing with masks and everything. And the process took so long because of all the errors that people just left. They didn't vote. And it's it's crazy. The blame game is just, rather than blame one another, why not just find a solution? We need more people in technology, medicine, entrepreneurship in these positions of power so that they can actually because they've gone through real world experience type stuff that you know 
<laughs> they would know how to manage a project team. They would know how to push out these new voting systems. And we need more people like that in power. Like Andrew Yang. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing him as, you know, some in some position of political power, whether it be in New York or elsewhere. People like that need to get into politics. And I'm not talking like people like Ben Carson. Um, I don't even know his position anymore. It has nothing to do with the medical field, I don't think. I think it's Secretary of Housing. Yeah, he's the like, yeah, Secretary of Housing. Totally Dude, that reminds me not of that, related. That reminds me of um, that Kanye West clip. It's like... Uh, who, who, who it was, was Lady the, Gaga, and it's La- like... Lady Gaga. <laughs> Lady Gaga is the executive director of Polaroid. I love some of the Gaga songs. What the f- does she know about cameras? Yeah. <laughs> Bro, that is exactly this entire presidency. Exactly. The people in power. It's just people who don't belong in those positions are in the positions that they're in. And we just need people who understand all the nuances of regular society, you know, in positions of power. But you mentioned LeBron James, and I think that's a good segue into... The current NBA situation. Yeah, for sure. Um, It's very interesting. I I really haven't read too much on it. And I'm very conflicted because I can understand both sides, right? I understand where Kyrie Irving is coming from, talking about how he wants to, rather than take this time to play a season, uh, be very much involved with the civil rights movement going on uh, today. And I also understand the people who want to play side, right? There is business at the end of the day. The NBA has a contract to fulfill. They have to meet certain um, check marks and milestones. For example, playing 70 games in the season that have to be broadcasted on television. And there's hundreds of millions, if not a billion or billions of dollars at stake. And so it's a very, very tedious situation that there's honestly no 100% correct answer to. Right, and I I can see both sides as well. Kyrie believes Kyrie and his, like a bunch of other players believe that it's going to be taking away from the movement as a whole. Um, but in my opinion, you can do it correctly. You can bring the season back correctly and use it as a driver for the movement itself. Yes, I do. I do, do like that, that. Yeah, if you can do that, that I believe is the ideal that every player can get behind. Actually, earlier today, um. Patrick Beverly said something once, if you give me one second. Yeah, I think you said if LeBron says we're hooping, we're hooping, right? Yeah, something of the sort. And I believe that is completely unfair. He says, hoopers say what y'all want. If at King James said he hooping, we all hooping. Not personal business. And then hashtag stay woke. And he's one of those that's against the NBA coming back. And I think that's unfair. I think that's unfair to... To attempt to put the onus on LeBron, why attempt to? Why is he being divisive in this t- in a time like this, especially with one of the most outspoken athletes on these issues, one who has taken so much ridicule from the media to do so? And I'm not. And once again, Pat Beverly, he has a point. I understand his point, and I understand the the qualms that people like him and Kyrie have with the league coming back. But instead of trying to be divisive and say it's either this or that compromise is necessary compromise is necessary with all of this we need to be able to you know pat Pat bev and kyrie irving sit down with lebron james and people who want to come back and figure out a solution figure out a way to use the platform as a means to boost the movement and you know um 
people who are part of the movement need not to be so quick to push away people who are against their movement because they need to gain people. They need to get more people to come on board. And yes, I understand if you're not with it, you don't understand you are racist in some way. If you, if you, at this point you don't understand there's a point there's, there is a problem with in this country uh, and it's systemic. You need to at least be open to learn like Drew Brees uh, seemingly but at the same time, you can't push away all these people. We need to have open dialogue and figure out solutions. That's the only way things will get better is open dialogue, not have not being divisive and saying, you're over there, you're over there, and we're never going to agree. Yeah, and I really think one thing that is very important to have is a level of maturity to understand your own weaknesses and that you can be incorrect, right? A lot of times today, you know, given how politics is and how people are, it's like, if you're... Like, if you're right, then I'm wrong. And I don't want to be wrong. I can't lose. So I have to disprove you at all costs, right? When, in reality, it's more productive to understand both sides of the situation and come to some agreement, right? So people get very defensive and they're very insecure about having a belief that may be incorrect. Where in reality, it's important to have a dialogue and open it up. And again, I totally agree with you about the Patrick Beverly statement. It's so... It's so unfair to put that on LeBron. LeBron does hold a lot of weight in the NBA, but you can't attribute or blame one person for bringing back the entire NBA season. Again, I've criticized LeBron before on a lot of his public stances on certain things. Especially China. Yeah, the China one, I'm I'm still disappointed in him for that because um, he, he knows what's happening over there. And uh, it's uh, it's unfortunate, but at the same time, He's tied into billions of dollars of in different lines of business and et cetera. So, again, I, I can't say I would do the same if I was in his situation. All I can say is that I was disappointed in the way he handled that situation. So, But at the same time, I acknowledge that LeBron has been so vocal on domestic civil rights issues, on injustices socially throughout the country and I really applaud him for that there's no other player who's as outspoken as he is uh, with as big of a, a platform as he has right only there are very few people in NBA in sports history that could be compared to him with the so sort of social change that he's attempting to bring on yes and that list is extremely small maybe uh you know uh Bill Russell in just talking NBA, Bill Russell was a huge part of the civil rights movement. Yes, he was. Uh, within the NBA, uh, we're probably missing a few, but that list is short. Right now, all I can yeah. think of are LeBron and Bill Russell. And uh, I, I want to mention specifically people with as large as a platform as LeBron has, because I'm sure there's plenty of NBA players who are outspoken on these issues. But given how popular LeBron is across the world, he has a different level of reach than most NBA players, even though they themselves have a really large reach. Um, so again, I think it's unfair of Beverly to put this on LeBron. I think they need to have a discussion, talk about it, and again, there's a lot of money tied in this. If those 200 or so players are willing to forego their salaries, which I think would have to be the case if they don't play, I mean, they're going to be losing so much money, then, hey, who knows? I think it's going to take some dialogue. 
and we'll see what happens with that. I again, I'm I'm on the fence on this one. I I can be swayed either side, but again, in these situations, it's it's important, like we said, to keep an open mind, understand both sides, and then make an educated decision. That's for sure. I I think I think there's a right and wrong way to bring back the NBA season, and hopefully yeah. they do it the right way. I will say, if there's one person who would be in charge who I think could do it is Adam Silver. He's been very good with what he's done thus far. He handled the China situation pretty pretty well. I will say um, he didn't he didn't fold to them. They lost a lot of money, but he didn't fold uh, when China said they need to fire Daryl Morey, and he said, "No, we're not doing that." Um, he can he postponed the season immediately, um, which no other sporting league did at the time, and that too with one of the biggest sports franchises in the world. So, I will give him credit, and I think he. I believe him. He could do it. Adam is far and away the greatest uh, sports commissioner in the United States right now. Yeah. There's no one who can hold a torch to him. He he knows what he's doing, and there's a reason the NBA is at the forefront of sports. Yes, right it's now. it's very true. Um, I just want to circle back to Roger Goodell a little bit. We talked about him in the beginning. Um, He put out a video, and did you watch the video he put out? I didn't. I, I thought it was, like... I heard he put it out, and I thought immediately that it was disingenuous from the get-go. Yeah, so I don't know. So I know. guess it's my fault, too, for not even being open to hearing what he says, but he, it's just strange. He openly said Black Lives Matter, right? He openly said he supports the players and their right to do whatever, um, which I think he heavily insinuated that he supports them protesting, which even means kneeling. Um one thing I will say about Goodell is I don't know how much blame should be placed on him for Kaepernick not getting a job because at the end of the day, he answers to the owners and it would not be in his control to put Colin Kaepernick on a team. So I know he has some blame, but in that situation, I would put more blame on the owners. I will give him credit for putting out the video statement because it shows some support, be it disingenuous or not, again. It's contributing to the cause. It's advancing the goal by acknowledging the players, the right to protest, and the injustices that they've suffered. So I will give him kudos for that. Be, I read uh, snippets yeah. of his statement. One thing I will agree with is a lot of players called him out on not mentioning Colin Kaepernick. By he did name. not. He did not mention Kaepernick. And so I think that's the strange <clears throat> part. Again, I don't know. That could be a legal thing, right? It could be a thing where the NFL... Correct has an NDA to not mention him by name again. So who knows? Um, but yeah, I will give him credit for putting the video out. I will say that. Yeah, we'll never know. Yeah. One thing I do want to touch on mm-hmm. is the all lives matter people. I hate that phrase. <laughs> I hate that statement. I think it's completely racist. And I think anyone who's saying that currently, they need to learn. Right, like I don't want to say they're they're stupid. I don't want to say this, that, and the other. They need to learn that while they may think they have good intentions, they know what they're doing. They're putting down the Black Lives Matter movement by pushing that stupid narrative. And I, I thought it was, like think of it this way: we have like, let's say someone had breast cancer. And you're celebrating breast cancer awareness. You don't say all cancer 
matters, you know, in that st- in that time you are focusing on breast cancer because that is the issue at hand. When there is an issue at hand, you focus on that issue. You don't undermine the entire issue by saying so- the generality of that issue is what actually matters. No, that you know what you're doing when you say all lives matter. And there's an image I found from the Chicago History Museum from 1966 during the black the during the civil rights movement and it's a white woman um surrounded by white men pointing at something and her she's holding a sign and she says where are white civil rights well wow. that is yeah. the exact same thing as the all lives matter movement the movement i say as the all lives matter statement whenever people say all lives matter you're essentially you're putting down the movement that's trying to promote progress and a solution to a problem at hand. Whenever there's going, whenever there's change that's happening, there will always be these sort of people who want to keep the status quo, and they are as much a problem as you know the opposers, which I guess they are opposers at the same time. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. Um... Again, I really haven't read too much on the All Lives Matter movement. I I hold this. It's not a movement. It's just people saying people. All Lives Matter under Black Lives Matter posts. And I have this. I mean, it's an opinion. It's a mindset, and I don't know how. It's 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 weird, but but I think that an effective way to, um, stop these kind of trolls and people who do this, is to just ignore them, right? Um. That's my stance on it, because if you ignore them, they're irrelevant. Um, There's so many people out there who are just provocateurs trying to accomplish things by inciting people by saying... Almost everyone on Fox News. Exactly. Laura Ingram is a great example. And I feel like the... Tucker Carlson. And the way to combat that is to just ignore them to the point where they're insignificant and no one's taking them seriously because no one's listening to them. Much easier said than done. Yes, it's very, very hard to do. But again, but I think... I, there's yeah. also a flaw in that, isn't there? Where if you are against that notion, but you ignore them, but then there are people who are for that notion and promote it. They're not being ignored. They're being empowered now. Yeah, exactly. So again... And they're not... They don't have any dissenting opinion anymore. Mm-hmm. They just have people who are supporting. And now they think that their opinion is ultimately correct because everyone agrees with them. And I think, see, I get that, but at the same time, I think they're also winning by inciting, not violence, but like dissent and reactions oh, with what they I say. I agree because that promotes them. Exactly. That promotes so it's what like it's a win-win for them. So it's very, it's very hard to <laughs> find a solution to those kind of people. It's unfortunately a reality that we're living in. But yeah, it's a, uh, it's unfortunate. Those people will become irrelevant if people go out and vote for what they believe in. Exactly. That so again, that's voting why is a thing need to, do. to go out and vote. Yeah, I think that's a good way to end it too. Just go out well, and really vote. Quick. Yeah, go for it. I want to talk about, uh, let's say, um, business during this movement. How? Um, I forget what what's the term. Promoting. Like promoting a business. Like let's say, for example, our friend Kunal. Uh, he's pushing 100% of his proceeds towards, I believe, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. And so go check out ltwk.com, ltwkbrand.com, and 
any any profit he makes will go straight to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, and I think that's a great um great thing he's doing over there. Uh, but there was a point that's brought up in that do non black owned businesses have the obligation to suppress their business for now to support the movement. Hmm. I don't know if they have the obligation to suppress their business because you could run as you normally do. I think the, the, what's it called? The, it becomes tedious when you're trying to promote and help because it's essentially a lose-lose situation, right? You can be called out for not promoting something and not donating. But then at the same time, you can be called out for promoting this to grow your own business. And my mentality is, is that as long as you're contributing in a positive fashion to the cause, then I support you. So in Kunal's case, for example, uh, donating 100% of the proceeds is directly going to help the movement push forward through the donations he's going to bring. And therefore, I support him. If there's like some company that's doing like like a mat, like say like this absurd example, there's this one company, it's a mattress company like 10 years ago, and they were doing a 9-11 mattress sale, right? That's a blatantly using a tragedy to increase your business. That's wrong. But in situations where people are trying to help and have the right intention, I think it's totally fine. I I also agree, but there will always be those people who disagree, right? Yeah, there will always <laughs> be those on people. The internet. And again, uh, at the same time, it's it, again, it's a lose lose. But you should just push forward, help if you can. I think that's I think that's the right approach. And I believe you got to think about what you're doing. You know, like if you believe what you're doing is correct, and Hunt Canal LTWKbrand.com. He's donating 100% of his proceeds and he still feels guilty about pushing his business because he believes that he is kind of, um, you know, uh, benefiting from all this, but he's trying to help. He's trying to be part of the solution. And I respect it. This is a, this is, this is a passion of his that he wants to keep going and he wants to, uh, push that passion into somewhere where he can help. And I think he's doing it the right way. And like, the NBA, I think they can do it the right way, you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, another point is that some people just can't, like, stop their businesses completely, you know? Exactly. It's, a, it's a privilege to be able to cease business operations yeah. or slow down business operations. People automatically think if you own a business, you're rich and have a bunch of money and can afford something like that, when in reality, it's very much a time-sensitive thing where you have to meet... Uh, you have certain bills to pay and you need to bring in the revenue. So And a single month can throw off your entire business. Exactly. If you have an off of one off month. Exactly. The whole businesses can fall. Just like, you know, unfortunately during the coronavirus, so many businesses have faltered because they just couldn't sustain it. And it's not a product of the businesses having a flaw in their design or game plan, but it's just it's how businesses nasty. work. It's a disaster. It's, it's how a- businesses work. I mean Right. You have certain overheads every month and you have certain costs you have to pay and you rely on revenue to pay those. So it is what and it you, is. You make a disaster recovery plan, but that disaster recovery plan doesn't go over the span of half a year. Exactly. So, And so... It's it's all chaotic. It's a ticky-tacky situation. Mm-hmm. 
But that's all the points I had. I don't yeah. think I have any more. Yeah, no, I think that's good. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the 1ND podcast. Uh, we'll promote, we won't promote anything besides the ltwkbrand.com uh, because 100% of the proceeds are going to a great cause. And that is all. Thank you for listening. Yep, and 1ND out.